Hello friends, this is Stephen from Dream Gun, and we have shows on sale in Dublin and London right now. We are home in Dublin this June the 15th to the 17th with updated film reads of The Matrix, Jurassic Park and Titanic at Smock Alley Theatre. Featuring the award-winning ensemble of Tony Cantwell, Ronan Carey, Stephen Culver, that's me, Finbar Doyle, Hannah Manless, Aaron McGathy and Edwin Salmon. Uh, the show's at Smock Alley Theatre and tickets are on sale right now. Head to dreamgun.ie forward slash tickets. Meanwhile in London, we are now performing every month at 21 Soho with a different film read every month and different guests joining us on the stage. This month's London film is Batman Begins, but if you're in the future, it's probably a different film and you can find out which one at dreamgun.ie forward slash tickets. Hi, I'm James. I'm Gavin. And I'm Stephen. And we are Dream Gun. And you are listening to a classic episode of Dream Gun Film Reads. Where we take our favorite movies and then totally rewrite them and put a bunch of jokes and nonsense in them. And then the show is performed by actors and comedians who haven't read the script, so everything you hear is completely unrehearsed. If you enjoy Film Reads, please subscribe to the podcast in your podcast app and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. If you don't know what to say in your review, just use it to tell us what film you'd like us to read next. Because we're running out of ideas. <laughs> If you'd like to support the show, there's two ways to do it. You can subscribe to Film Reads on Patreon. Patreon subscribers get early access to episodes, bonus uncut recordings, and tickets to the live show. Or you can see us in person. If you'd like to see Film Reads live, you can check out dreamgun.ie for tickets to all of our upcoming shows or follow us. We are at Dreamgun and Sons on all the socials. We perform regularly in Dublin and London and at festivals all around the world. Please enjoy Dream Gun Film Reads. Dream Gun! Titanic by James Cameron and Harland and Wolf. <laughs> Jack dies at the end. <laughs> the Titanic, the most majestic boat ever, the Miss America of British cruise ships, and the only boat carved onto Mount Rushmore flickers up on screen. It's old-timey footage covered in dust and brown bits so you know it's old and not shot with James Cameron's modern 3D James cameras. <laughs> The image fades to reveal the Titanic as it is today. Just a rusty fish hotel at the bottom of the Atlantic. How did it come to this? How did such a proud boat sink so low? A robot submarine drifts into view, piloted by Brock Lovett, a sandy-haired, sun-kissed L.A. man. There it is, the deck of the Titanic, two and a half miles down, 3,821 meters, that's just over 1,500 Shaquille O'Neal's. <laughs> or one incredibly long Danny DeVito. Brock pilots a tiny robot around the ruins of the ship. He uses its grabby arm to rip apart an old bedroom, like one of those arcade claw games, except with priceless pieces of history. Uh, the headlights illuminate an old, rusty safe. It's payday, boys. It's obviously the last Friday of the month. They recover and open the safe, but it's filled with brown mulch. Why would the old-timey people keep their brown mulch in a safe? The past is indeed a fascinating time. Shit, no diamond. Oh, they're looking for a diamond. Remember, this is the same director as Terminator and Aliens. They're probably going to use the diamond to power an awesome laser or a time-travel robot. Later, Brock is on the phone to the money men funding his venture. Dave Barry, hi. Look, I'm going to break it to you. It wasn't in the safe, but don't worry about it. There's still plenty of places it could be. Floor debris in the suite, the purser's safe on C-deck, or I don't know, just some old woman might have it. 
guys, look, you gotta trust my instincts. Remember that time I told you that if you made a nonsense movie about blue 3D aliens and just told people to like it, that they would? One of the workers washes mud away to reveal a sketch of a nudie lady wearing a necklace. This gets Brock's attention. Hang on a second, let me see that. Brock looks at the sketch of the lady. Around her neck is the diamond he's been looking for. Well, I'll be goddamned. Later, Brock is being interviewed by a reporter. Treasure hunter Brock Lovett is best known for finding Spanish gold by robbing a bank. <laughs> now he has a chartered, chartered a Russian sub to reach the most famous shipwreck of all, the Titanic, the Kurt Cobain of Southampton. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, Brock. Hello, Tracy. Everyone knows the familiar story of the Titanic, the nobility, the band playing till the end and all that, but what I'm interested in are the untold stories. The kissing, the charming class interaction, the body dancing, the hilarious characters. Maybe there was a funny Italian guy. Who knows? We're out, here, we're out here using robot technology to just really rummage around in there. Your expedition is at the center of a storm of controversy over salvage rights and even ethics. Many are calling you a grave robber. Hey, listen, nobody called the recovery of artifacts of King Tut's tomb grave robbing. They absolutely did. <laughs> now look at this drawing that we found today. A piece of paper that's been underwater for 84 years, and my team were able to preserve it intact. Should this have remained at the bottom of the ocean for eternity? You want to deprive the world of this crude drawing of a naked woman? Brock waves around the drawing he found. Meanwhile, an old woman watches the broadcast on her tiny television. Well, I'll be goddamned. I'm on the tiny television. Later, Brock is lowering his submarine. His loudmouth partner, Lewis, approaches. A man plump with Twizzlers and good old American know-how. He's the kind of guy who wears t-shirts that have arrows pointing to things saying he's with them. Brock, there's a satellite call for you. Hey, we're launching. Can't you see these submersibles going in the water? Trust me, buddy, you want to take this call. It had to go to space to get here. <laughs> this better be good. Not like that last time where you tricked me into talking for a, to a gorilla for three hours. Lewis hands Brock the phone. You gotta speak up. She's kind of old. Great. Uh, this is Brock Lovett. How can I help you, Miss, uh... Calvert. Rose Calvert. Yeah, Miss Calvert. Listen, can I ask you one question first? Are you a gorilla? <laughs> No. I was just wondering if you had found the heart of the ocean yet, Mr. Brock. Told you you wanted to take the call. All right, you have my attention, Rose. Can you tell us who the woman in the picture is? Oh, yes. The woman in the picture is me. <laughs> they all gasp and spill their coffees and it freeze frames. <laughs> Later, Lewis is on deck talking to Brock as a helicopter approaches. She's a goddamn liar. That can't be her in the picture. She's all old and wrinkly. <laughs> She's, she's probably just some nutcase seeking money or publicity. Look, Rose Dewitt, Bukater, died on the Titanic when she was 17, right? That's right. I've based my entire adult life around that fact. <laughs> if she had lived, she'd be over 100. 101 next month. I should know. I've celebrated that dead woman's birthday every year. <laughs> okay, so she's a very old goddamn liar. And everybody who knows about the diamond is supposed to be dead or on this boat, but she knows. Although... Now that I think about it, I, I did mention it to her first in the phone call. <laughs> Old Rose steps out of the helicopter. She seems to be getting older by the second. <laughs> As does everyone else. 
Uh, Miss Calvert, I'm Brock Lovett. Uh, welcome to my boat. Can I get you anything? Yes, I would, I would like to see my drawing. Brock unfurls it. <clears throat> Uh, Louis XVI wore a fabulous stone that was called the Blue Diamond of the Crown, which disappeared in 1792, about the same time that old Louis lost everything from the neck up. It was found in a river by orcs and then rolled around the streets of New York for a while. The theory goes that the Crown Diamond was chopped, recut into the words certified gangster, <laughs> before being recut into a heart shape that became known as the heart of the ocean. Today it will be worth more than the diamond it's printed on. It was a dreadful heavy thing. I only wore it this once. You actually think this is you? It is me, dear. <laughs> Wasn't I a dish? <laughs> and a good dish, too, like a zesty beef casserole. If you are who you say you are, then you were wearing the diamond the day the Titanic sank. And that makes you my new best friend. <clears throat> uh, these are the things we recovered from your stateroom. Oh, she nice. looks nostalgically through all the objects from her past life. Was mine? Oh, uh, these were called mirrors. <laughs> we used to look in these. Uh, it's like a selfie that moves in real time. Fascinating. Are you ready to go back to Titanic, Rose? He calls it Titanic, not the Titanic, <laughs> to make it more iconic, like Facebook or the Nintendo Wii. <laughs> Later, Lewis shows them a super-realistic 3D PlayStation 1 render of the crash from the Titanic. <laughs> okay, here we go. She hits the berg on the starboard side, right? She kind of bumps along, po punching holes like Morse code. Bam, bam, bam. Cowabunga. Then wham! The forward compartments start to flood. It's all a goodbye Ruby Tuesday down at Fraggle Rock. Know what I'm saying? When the bow goes down, the stern rises up, and finally she's got her whole ass sticking up in the air. And you know what an ass is now, don't you? I mean, hello! You want fries with that? And the hull's not designated to designed to deal with that kind of pressure. So what happens? It's like Royale with cheese without the cheese. Bang, zoom. All aboard, ladies and gentlemen. Straight up to the top floor of the bottom of the Atlantic Ocean. We're up, We're up shit creek, if you pardon my French. Pretty cool, huh? Thank you for the forensic analysis, Mr. Bodine. Of course, the experience of it was somewhat different. Everyone I know died. Will you share it with us? It's been 84 years. It's okay, just try to remember anything, anything at all. Even just the name of the boat. I think it was called Strike Force? The boat was called Strike Force. <laughs> Great. Can, can you tell me anything else? It's been 84 years. And I can still smell the fresh paint. The china had never been used. The sheets had never been slept in. The hull had never been pierced. <laughs> Titanic was called the ship of dreams. And it really was. But it was also a nightmare ship. Wherever, uh, well, they died. We see the deck of the ruined Titanic at the bottom of the ocean. As if by magic, it transforms into its old self, teleporting us back to whatever year it was the Titanic happened in. <laughs> there is a huge hustle and bustle as people board. A car pulls up and out steps a young Rose, our hero, and the eyes through which we see this story unfold. I don't see what all the fuss is about. It doesn't look any bigger than the Mauritania. 
Behind her stands Cal, her fiancé. Made entirely out of Dax and talcum powder, he is... He is tall, handsome, and looks like if the phrase smug bastard became sentient... Became sentient and just really lorded it over everyone. You can be blasé about some things, Rose, but not the Titanic. It's over 100 feet longer than the Mauritania, and its hull is twice as thin. <laughs> Your daughter is far too difficult to impress, Ruth. Rose's mother, Ruth, appears. She has cold eyes and a mean face, and strangely is not played by Maggie Smith. <laughs> they say is unsinkable. It is unsinkable. God himself could not sink this ship. Do you hear that, God, you cunt? <laughs> Just try and sink this ship! <laughs> it was a ship of dreams to everyone else. But to me, it was a slave ship taking me back to America in chains. Chained by my status and vast wealth, which is exactly the same thing as being an actual slave and in actual chains. On the outside, I was everything a well-brought-up girl should be. Skin, hair, bits of cloth. On the inside, I was screaming, like, like a monkey in a box. Meanwhile, in a local tavern, a group of people play poker. Jack Dawson, a French-faced American and the other dreamboat of this film. <laughs> Beside him sits Italian stereotype friend Fabrizio. <laughs> the kind of guy who puts pasta on pizza and drinks olive oil instead of water. Jack, you had a pasta. You bet everything we have. Mamma mia. <laughs> Okay, all in for those two tickets for the Titanic, a city break to Chernobyl, and 50% off a trip on the Hindenburg. When you got nothing, you got nothing to lose. They must have had at least something worth the value of two Titanic tickets, though. That's just how betting works. All right, moment of truth. Somebody's life is about to change. Their opponent lays down his cards. Oh no, two pair. I'm sorry, Fabricio. He's down on his luck. He's an underdog protagonist I can really root for. <laughs> Sorry, you you better Lamani. I'm sorry, you're not gonna see your mom again for a long time because we're going to America. Full house boys. Woo! Yeah! <laughs> oh never mind, he was just doing that joke where you lie for a little bit. <laughs> what a great fucking guy. <laughs> I'm going home! I'm going home! I go to America. Wait a minute, Jack, these tickets. Yes, my Italian friend. <laughs> They're for five minutes from right now. We gotta go. <sighs> so, hold on, wait, why were those guys betting for tickets? <laughs> why were they betting when they had a boat to catch? Like, Jack and Fabrizio race at full pelt towards the ship. They make it just in time before they're about to close the door. Wait, wait, hey, wait. We're passengers, passengers. Have you been through the inspection queue? Of course. Anyway, we don't have any lice. We're Americans, both of us. Our blood is laced with blind patriotism and high fructose corn syrup. Yes, we are covered in slime. 
Well, I don't see on the destiny manifest, but uh, <laughs> all right, come aboard. <laughs> We're the luckiest sons of bitches in the world, you know that? <laughs> the camera pans back to reveal that, unbeknownst to them, the boat they are getting on is in fact the Titanic. <laughs> A historically unlucky boat. Meanwhile, in a first-class cabin, Rose is sorting through her various paintings, trying to figure out which one to put up on the wall for the four-day journey. Her fiancé, Cal, strides into the room. God, not those finger paintings again. They certainly are a waste of money. The difference between your taste in art and mine is that I have some. You only like paintings that remind you of foods that you've eaten. That fresco of a sandwich that you just bought is just awful. I think these are just fascinating. What's the artist's name? Oh, something Picasso. I think it's Rembrandt Picasso Van Gogh. Mark my words, he won't amount to a thing. He won't trust me. And that Frank Sinatra you keep going on about, I mean, he won't even be born for another three years. <laughs> At Sherberg, a woman came aboard named Margaret Brown. We all called her Molly. History would call her the unsinkable Molly Brown. An epithet history uses in a lot. Uh, history isn't very original. We see a portly, brash woman board the Titanic. She's always speaking her mind and telling it like it is. Like an endearing Rosie O'Connell. <laughs> O'Donnell. <laughs> but I'm a real straight shooter. <laughs> Her husband had struck gold someplace out west, and she was what Mother called new money, or gutter scum. <laughs> By the next afternoon, we were steaming west from the coast of Ireland with nothing out ahead of us but ocean, and one big frozen bit of ocean <laughs> sticking out. Up on the bridge, Captain Smith, a lovable train conductor. <laughs> And his first mate, Murdoch, survey the sea ahead. Looks like it's all clear for the next 1,809 miles. <laughs> and that's as far as these binoculars can see. <laughs> Take it to see, Mr. Murdoch. Let's stretch our legs. Yes, sir. All steam ahead, Mr. Moody. Jack and Fabrizio walk up to the front of the ship. Jack spreads his arms out, obviously emulating the poster for the movie Titanic. <laughs> see her a Statue of Liberty already. It's a very small, of course. She's like a Princess Peach. <laughs> I'm the king of the world! No, he's not. <laughs> Later, all the snooty first-class people, including the actual king of the world, sit around drinking tea. They all have attachments on their cigars and cigarettes and wear centerpieces on their hats. Ismay, the head of the White Star Company, discusses boat business. Our master shipbuilder, Mr. Andrews here, designed the, from the keel plates up. They said it was foolish to get one guy to design a whole boat, that he lacked much of the knowledge necessary. But by gosh, here it is. Best damn boat designed in an afternoon. Andrews, the Northern Irish designer of the Titanic, is flattered. I might have built it, but the idea was you. You envisioned a steamer so grand in scale and so luxurious in its appointments that its supremacy would never be challenged. <laughs> All I did was design and figure out how to build it. 
and here she is, willed into solid reality. Of course, you wanted your version to be five times bigger and made entirely of bricks. <laughs> Porous bricks. <laughs> Hiya, who followed the name Titanic? Was it you, Bruce? Well, yes, actually. I wanted to convey something that meant stability, luxury, and above all, strength. I went for Honda Civic, but that was already taken. Do you know of Dr. Freud, Mr. Ismay? He's the guy who made us realize all our moms are hot. His ideas about the male preoccupation with size might be of particular interest to you. The entire first class section gasps in unison. Rose storms out. She's a pistol, Kyle. Hope you can handle her. Well. I may have to stop minding what she reads from now on. Hold on, Miss Brown. And I have to stop her watching CSI. It's giving her unrealistic expectations of how easy it is to solve a murder. <laughs> Freud, who is he, a passenger? The scene ends before we ever find out if Freud is on board. <laughs> Leaving us all hoping he's all right. Later, Fabrizio and Jack are relaxing on the deck of the ship with an Irishman. The ship, uh, it is a nice, huh? <laughs> Yeah, it's an Irish ship. It's English, no? No, it was built in Ireland. <laughs> 15,000 Irish man <laughs> built this ship solid as a rock by Irish hands. It's like that feeling you get when you're coming home for Christmas when you try and bring three carry-on bags of Barry's tea on a Ryanair flight or get arrested at Tejo Park for pissing on the water slide. I'm Tommy Ryan. But Jack is distracted. Above them on the first-class deck, he sees Rose for the first time. Oh, forget it, bio. You'd be more likely to have angels fly out your arses get next to the likes of her. And then you'd just be standing beside her with a very sore arse. Jack stares up at Rose, completely smitten. You know, it's kind of odd that Rose is telling this story where they first meet each other from Jack's perspective. <laughs> that night, Rose contemplates her life. I saw my whole life as if I'd already lived it. An endless parade of parties and yachts, eating water polo mints and upper crusts, covered in smarmite, always followed by a smug of coffee. I couldn't keep going to operas and acting like they're not just musicals. I felt like I was standing at a great precipice with no one to pull me back, no one who cared or even noticed. We zoom out to reveal Rose is standing on the railings at the back of the ship, hanging over the ocean below. She wasn't speaking metaphorically. <laughs> Jack is staring at her from a distance and approaches her. You won't do it. <laughs> what do you mean I won't? Don't presume to tell me what I will and will not do. You do not know me. You do not know my mass. You do not know my relationship to gravity. Maybe I'll jump. Maybe I'll fly up to the moon. Just go away. I can. I'm involved now. You let go and I'm going to have to jump in there after you. Follow him or kill you. It would hurt. I'm not saying it wouldn't. Probably enough to kill me. 
to tell you the truth, I'm a lot more concerned about the water being so cold. Uh, how cold? Freezing, maybe a couple of degrees over, maybe boiling, I really couldn't tell from here. <laughs> you ever been to Wisconsin? Uh, uh, what? Well, they have some of the coldest winters around. I grew up there near Chippewa Falls. I remember when I was a kid, me and my father, that's what I called my dad. <laughs> we went ice fishing out on Lake, Lake Wissota. We used to cut up the big old lake, or Lake W, or Lake Wissota. <laughs> anyway, we'd go ice fishing. You know what that is? I know what ice fishing is. It's, it's how you catch ice. <laughs> Sorry, you just seem like, you know, kind of an indoor girl. Anyway, I, I fell through some thin ice, and I'm telling you, water that cold, like right down there, it hits you. Like a thousand knives stabbing you all over your body. Or like a hundred milkshakes being poured into your ear. <laughs> Which is why I'm not looking forward to jumping in there after you. You're crazy. That's what everyone says. Jack, you're crazy. Jack, you should really talk to someone. <laughs> but with all due respect, miss, I'm not the one hanging off the back of a ship here. Come on, give me your hand. You don't want to do this. I've got you. I won't let go. Rose starts to climb back over the railing, saving herself from any more stories about Wisconsin. <laughs> I'm Jack Dawson. Rose DeWitt Pucator. Huh. I'm gonna have to get that, I'm gonna have to write that one down, you know? Yeah. Three names, what, what am I, like a, me, uh, like a memory man? <laughs> Jack helps Rose over the railing. He slips and falls on top of her, making it look like there's some hanky-panky going on. Just then, Cal comes around and sees them. What is this, an episode of Frasier? This is completely unacceptable. What made you think you could put your hands on my fiance? Uh, Cal. What do you think you were doing touching her? Uh, Cal. Rose, what did I tell you about trying to provide contacts while I'm, uh, while I'm shouting? It was an accident. I, I, I wanted to, uh, I wanted to rub the propellers and, and, and I slipped. I would have gone overboard, but Mr. Dawson here, he saved me. Ah, she wanted to rub the propellers. <laughs> Yeah, that was pretty much it. Right. Well, uh, I think uh, 20 should do it. Is that the going rate for saving the woman you love? Well, I mean, the markets are constantly in flux. You've seen those, <laughs> those Wall Street men always shouting and waving papers. God knows what they're talking about. Rose is displeased. Oh, what to do? What to do? Carl has said this out loud by accident. <laughs> Perhaps you could join us for dinner tomorrow evening to regale our group with your heroic tale. Yeah, I mean, I, I just did that, but, uh, you know, I could do it again, add some flourishes, you know? Carl is accompanied by his stony-faced robot servant, Lovejoy, an ex-cop who definitely doesn't love joy. It's uh, interesting. The young lady slips so suddenly and you still had some time to remove your jacket and your shoes. Well, you know, there were Crocs and it's, the jacket's more like a lease cardigan. <laughs> Later, back in the rich part of Boat Town, <laughs> Cal decides to have a real heart-to-heart -heart with his fiance. I know you've been melancholy. I, I don't pretend to know why, but... Before you say anything, here's some jewelry so you don't have to say anything. <laughs> I intended to save this until the engagement gala next week, but I thought tonight. Goodness gracious. Perhaps a reminder of my feelings for you. 
priceless and a forgery. <laughs> Is it a... A necklace? Yes. <laughs> it was worn by Louis X. V. <laughs> Louis II, and they call it Le Cuisine de France. The heart of the ocean. Yes. Silly French. I mean, everyone knows the heart of the ocean is Flipper, that crazy little fish. It's, uh, it's, it's, uh, overwhelming. Well, it's for royalty. We are royalty, Rose. You know, there's nothing I couldn't give you. A fancy diamond, a, a ride on a rather big boat, and all the top hats you can eat out of. Now, now open your heart to me, Rose. Come to me, Rose. Open up that heart. <laughs> Meanwhile, Bruce Ismay and the captain are sitting down to eat that meal in between lunch and dinner that only rich people know about. The afternoon nibble hour. They are eating macaroni wireless telegrams with Mariana Trenches. So you've not yet lit the last four boilers? No, I, I don't see the need. We're making excellent time. The press knows the size of the Titanic. Now, I want them to marvel at her speed. We must give them something new to print. If we go too stupidly fast, they'll have no choice but to write about it. Can she do wheelies? Uh, oh, if you, if, if you see any ramp, you have my permission to do an awesome jump. This maiden voyage of the Titanic must make headlines. Big ship arrives fast. <laughs> Something like that. Mr. Ismay, I would prefer not to push the engines until they've been properly run in. And for God's sake, could you please stop hitting the nitros? <laughs> well, okay, but our bar just recharged. Okay, okay. I'm just a passenger. I'll leave it to your good offices to decide what's best. But what a glorious end to your final crossing if we were to get into New York a day early. Wouldn't that just surprise all the passengers who won't have booked any accommodation? <laughs> My man, you'll... You'll make the morning papers. Retire with a bang, a boom, a glug glug. Help, help, I'm drowning. Oh God, there's water everywhere. It's my decision. It's my decision, trust me. I know everything about this ship, from the port to the starburst. <laughs> now, could you pass me that iceberg lettuce? It's, uh, why, why, it's right here in front of you. Well, that's, that's odd. <laughs> normally, normally I would, I would notice it's so near me. <laughs> Hmm, curious. I, I'm usually quite good at spotting iceberg ladders. The next day on the date deck, Jack is breathily recounting his wispy life travels to Rose. Well, I've been on my own since I was 15. When my parents, parents died, I lit out of there and I haven't been back since. I was raised by wolves on Wall Street. I had to eat a fish with my hands and I actually did it and that's what makes it good. Well, we've walked about a mile around this boat deck, but I reckon that's not why you came to talk to me. Wait, you wanted me to tell you where Tilda Swinton's Weed Island is? Well, I'm not gonna do it. Jack, I wanna thank you for what you did. Not just for pulling me back, but for your discretion. Oh yeah, the old suicide, wink, wink. <laughs> oh wait, no, I told everyone. <laughs> Look, I, I know what you must be thinking. Poor little rich girl, 
What does she know about misery? You know, she's probably spent her life in a stasis box eating pleasure pills. <laughs> she's probably never seen a dirt. <laughs> she's got everything she needs, fancy clothes, paper money, a constant supply of children's organs. <laughs> but I feel like I'm in the middle of a crowded room screaming at the top of my spotless baby lungs and no one even looks at me. Do you love him? You're, you're being very rude. You shouldn't be asking me such difficult questions. Do I love him? Do I dry wretch when he passes in the car? It's impossible to say. Look, Rose, it's a simple question. Do you love the guy or don't you not not love him or not? <laughs> or maybe you do. Absurd. You don't know me, and I don't know you. And we're not having this conversation at all. This is all just a memory I'm retelling in the future on a subject. <laughs> you are rude and uncouth and presumptuous, and I am leaving now, Mr. Dawson. It's been a pleasure. I sought you out to thank you, and now I have thanked you. She turns to leave, but accidentally turns too far and does a full spin. <laughs> I thought you were leaving. I don't have to leave. This is my part of the ship. I, I painted a line down the middle, didn't you see? You know, your side is all messy and you need to clean it. You leave. Go back to your poor section and your dirty pair of trousers. <laughs> uh, what is this stupid thing you're carrying around? Hmm? Oh, oh, a sketchbook. So, what are you, an artist or something? Huh, okay, let me see that. Uh, these are dumb. Oh, well, this one's pretty good, I guess. I... You know, I was entirely wrong, and these are the best pictures I've ever seen. <laughs> Jack, this is exquisite work. Director James Cameron drew both those last sketches and wrote that line. <laughs> well, you know, they didn't think too much of them in old Paris. It's pa Paris. It's <laughs> Paris, you do get around for a poor, well, a well, uh, person of limited uh, diamonds. <laughs> and these were drawn from life. Well, that's the one good thing about Paris. Lots of girls willing to take their clothes off is a line in this film. <laughs> liked this woman. You used her several times. She was a one-legged prostitute. I could never afford enough paint, so I had to use amputees. Couldn't you just stop painting? Never. Well, you have a gift, Jack. You do. You see people with your eyes. I see you. Wait, isn't this line from Avatar? <laughs> I guess the concept of seeing people is some sort of director trademark. And what do you see? You wouldn't have jumped, because I told you not to, remember? <laughs> Why can't I be like you, Jack, and just head out for the horizon whenever I feel like it? Come with me sometime, Rose. It's wonderful there. It's very flat, and not so much a place. <laughs> But we can ride horses on the beach, ride on the surf, but you have to do it like a real cowboy. 
teach me how to ride like a man and chew tobacco like a man and spit like a man and cry in a shed like a man <laughs> and pay alimony like a man. <laughs> I want to be king of the swingers, the jungle VIP. You know? I mean, that's what's bothering me, Jack. <laughs> they didn't teach you that in finishing school? I never finished. <laughs> well, I'll come. Come on, I'll show you. Uh, first, spitting. Spitting is easy. Just watch me. As Jack spits into the ocean, Ra- uh, Rose scans him with her r- refined robot eyes and replicates his motions perfectly. She is learning. So this is spitting. Marvelous. This will really come in handy when I don't want to swallow any more toothpaste. <laughs> Just then they are interrupted by Rose's mother and Molly Brown. Mother, may I introduce you? Uh, Jack Dawson. Charmed, I'm sure, which actually means that I'm not that. (laughs) The others were gracious and curious about the man who had saved my life, but my mother looked at him like an insect, a dangerous insect like a spider with pliers. (laughs) Or a drunk bee. (laughs) See you at dinner, Jack. Molly Brown approaches Jack. (laughs) Oh, son, do you have the slightest comprehension of what you're doing? Never. You're about to go into the snake pit. Snake pit? (laughs) Yeah, it's the greasy 24-hour German techno sweat box (laughs) we have below deck. (laughs) What are you planning to wear? I don't know. This. Jack is wearing a bin bag and corduroy trousers. (laughs) Molly gives Jack a look that says, better put on a pot of coffee. Cue changing room montage as Jack tries on an increasingly opulent hat. (laughs) Later at dinner, Jack arrives in a tuxedo like Jackie Chan. He looks like a young Jay Gatsby or a Mr. Inception. He meets Rose on the fancy stairs and kisses her hand. I saw that on Nickelodeon once and I always wanted to do it. The Wild Thornburys did it all the time. Amazing. You could almost pass for a gentleman, or at least some sort of well-trained monkey bellhop. Rose leans in secretively and gestures around the fancy room. It's like Cruff's The Dog Show, but for people. Let me give you a tour. Over there, that's John Astor, richest man on the ship. He likes being naked, but calls it the nip. Now, his wife's in the papers. Quite the scandal, it's true. She's made of fine china and PVA glue. (laughs) And Benjamin Guggenheim, who eats only steel, and his mistress, Dame Jane, just munching down veal. (laughs) Mrs. Guggenheim is at home, with the children, of course, but has got hooves for hands and is mostly a horse. (laughs) Rose. I'm going to be honest with you, I have no idea what's going on. 
They take their seats at the large banquet table alongside a plethora of Dr. Robotniks and Mr. Monopolies. Jack looks down at the many garnishes, some of which are for eating, while others are purely decorative. I eat nothing to it, Jack. Remember, they love money. So just pretend like you own a gold mine. Hey, Ismay, I'd like you to meet Jack Dawson. How do you do? I like money. Fantastic. <laughs> Jack, are you of the Boston Dawsons? No, the Creek, actually. <laughs> oh, yes. As I was saying, Speed 2 is set on a boat instead of a bus, but Under Siege 2 is set on a train instead of a boat. <laughs> Jack must have been nervous, but he never faltered. They assumed he was one of them. Heir to a railroad fortune, perhaps, or Instagram famous. <laughs> Mother, of course, could always be counted upon to tell everyone who the poor people are. Tell us of the accommodation and steerage, Mr. Dawson. I hear they're quite good on this ship. Best I've seen, ma'am. Hardly any rats. <laughs> everyone laughs at Jack's funny joke, but Jack was being dead serious. <laughs> Mr. Dawson is joining us from third class. He has uh, some assistance to me, fiance, last night during one of her moody walks. Jack stares at the minefield of cutlery before him. Are all these forks for me? Just, just start from the outside and work your way in. The biggest knife is for the beef, and then the others are for confusing any poor people who find their way in. <laughs> Exactly, do you live, Mr. Dawson? Well, right now my address is the RMS Titanic. After that, I'm on God's good humor. I'm not picky, dry land will do. Anything above a watery grave is a win in my life. <laughs> but I won my ticket on Titanic here at a lucky hand at poker. A very lucky hand. Oh, life is a game of luck. Well, a real man makes his own luck, right, Mr. Dawson? Yes, by winning games of chance. Yes. <laughs> yes. And you find that sort of ruthless existence appealing, do you? Well, yes, ma'am, I do. I mean, I got everything I need right here. Got air in my lungs, no water in these. <laughs> I love waking up in the morning not knowing where I'm going to wind up. I've done it all. Just being a regular man in an iron mask, eating Gilbert's grapes. Just the other night, I was sleeping inside a horse. And now I hear I'm on the grandest ship in the world having champagne with you fine folks. I didn't actually sleep inside that horse. I mean, people would be up in arms. I did eat the fish, though. The whole table laughs again, but Jack is being completely serious. You learn to take life as it comes to you, to make each day count. Let's make a toast to making each day count. Well said, Jack. Here, here. To being alive. <laughs> being alive. To being alive. Later, after 15 courses of elegant pâté and poached Fabergé eggs, Jack gets up to leave. Next, it'll be brandies in the smoking room, then smokies in the branding room. <laughs> Then they congratulate each other on being masters of the universe. Skeletor will be there. Rose, uh, Rose, darling, may I escort you back to the cabin? No, I'll stay here. Joining us, Dawson? You don't want to stay out here with the women, do you? No, thanks. I've got to be heading back. It's probably best. It'll all be business and politics. That sort of thing wouldn't interest you. We smoke cigars and inhale. 
But Dawson, good of you to come. It wasn't actually good, I'm just being snarky. Jack, must you go? Time for me to go row with the other slaves, you know? You want to get to America on time, you know? Uh, anyway, good night, Rose, and unless you want to go to a real party. Rose and Jack hurry off to third class to see how real people live. <laughs> this party is an aquarium of quainty, rosy faces and people glassing each other. <laughs> Everyone's spinning as, and sweating as they chant the names of football teams. Rose is charmed by their free spirits and reasonably priced ales. This dirty pun, poor fun, is so much better than our stuffed shirt type where we call sit in silence eating fish eggs. In an attempt to impress Rose, he stands on just her two big toes. The bit that's hard to stand on. You know the bit I'm talking about. She has us Mary and Joseph. She's on her toes. Are you all right? <laughs> I haven't done that in years. Jack and Rose hold hands and spin very fast together. From above, Lovejoy spots Rose and frowns and growls. The next day, Cal and Rose have breakfast. I had hoped you would have come home last night. I was tired from uh, sitting down. <laughs> well, your exertions below decks were no doubt exhausting. I see you had that undertaker of a manservant follow me. You will never spin that fast again, Rose. Do you understand that? You're like a goddamn centrifuge. I'm, I'm, I'm not a foreman in one of your steel mills that you can command. I'm your fiancé. Kyle flips the coffee table, sending silver spoons flying everywhere. Yes, you are. You are my wife in practice, if not yet by law. You will honor me. You will honor me the way a practice wife is required to. You'll enjoy art of food and spin at the correct speed. Because I will not be made a fool of, Rose. Is this in any way unclear? No. Good. Excuse me. Carl storms out but realizes that he's left his own cabin, so he just fusses about for 45 minutes. Ruth enters. You are not to see that boy again. Do you understand me, Rose? I forbid it. I want you to close your eyes when you're around him. Oh, stop it, Mother. You'll give yourself a nosebleed, and this is the past, and we don't have a cure for that yet. <laughs> this is not a game. Our situation is precarious. Your father spent all our money investing heavily in not Apple computers. <laughs> you know the money's gone. Of course I know it's gone. I'm the one, the one who told you. Your, your father left us nothing but a legacy of bad debts hidden by a good name. It's like a tuxedo on a dead kangaroo. <laughs> I don't understand you. It's a fine match with Cal. He's the last son of Krypton. <laughs> it will ensure our and his survival. Why are you being so selfish? I'm being selfish. Do you want to see me working as a seamstress, learning the value of work? <laughs> being standoffish with the other women at first?
has been slowly gaining a mutual respect and a bond for life. To see our fine things sold at auction, to live honest, frugal lives, and learn the true value of the immaterial disgusting. <laughs> it's so unfair. Of course it's unfair. We're women. Our choices are never easy, and I forbid you to choose. <laughs> Later, Jack attempts to return to first class, but is stopped by Lovejoy. Mr. Hockney and Mr. DeWitt Buketa continue to be appreciative of your assistance. They asked me to uh, give you this in gratitude. I don't Lo want your money. If Jack realized how much $10 was worth in 1912, he, he would have taken it. And also to remind you that you hold a third-class ticket and that your presence here is no longer appropriate. Jack storms off. Later, Ruth, Cal, and Rose are on a tour of the ship. And why do you have two steering wheels? Uh, one's for when we're at sea and the other's for my nephew to play with. <laughs> Excuse me, sir. Another ice warning. Oh, not to worry. Ice is just water, except cold. In fact, we're speeding up, which is the opposite of what ice expects. I've just ordered the last boiler's lift. There's no way that ice can catch us now. Mr. Andrews, forgive me. I, I did the sum in my head, and with the number of like lifeboats times the capacity you mentioned, it seems that there are not enough for everyone on board. Yeah, you miss nothing, do you, Rose? Yeah, you've added all the numbers I've ever said. In fact, I put in these new type davits and requested an extra row of boats on, in, on the inside of this one. But it was thought by some people, people who I will not name, people on this very ship, that the deck would look too cluttered, and so I was overruled. Now, I can understand if you think this conversation seems a little bit out of place, but I promise it'll all make sense later. <laughs> Sleep soundly, young Rose. I have built you a good ship, strong and true. In fact, one day the fine people of Belfast will build a museum dedicated to this ship. <laughs> The greatest engineering disaster in history, that's what they'll call her. And they'll charge 18 pounds, which is a bit steep, let's be honest. I mean, it doesn't even go anywhere. She's all the lifeboat you need. As the group moves on, a man approaches Rose, except it's not a man, it's Jack in incognito mode. I need to talk to you. No, Jack. No, Jack, I'm engaged. I, I'm marrying Cal. I love Cal. Probably. Rose, you're no picnic, all right? You're a spoiled little brat. <sighs> but even, but none of that, and without thinking of any examples, you're the most amazingly astounding, wonderful girl and woman I've ever known. But I'm too involved now. You jump, I jump, remember? I can't turn away without knowing you'll be all right. It's not up to you to save me, Jack. You're right. Only that you can do that. Metaphorically, but really it's me who's doing all the saving. You know, as the man with all the agency. I'm, I'm going back. Leave me alone. Rose returns to the party and sits among the rich wives who are covered in cobwebs. 
Rose sees a little girl who reminds her of herself being constrained by her place in society and changes her mind. Hello, Jack, I've changed my mind. <laughs> Shh. Close your eyes, hold my hand. Okay. Step up onto the railing. Uh, really, really onto the railing? Shh, just come on. Oh, yeah. It's just, I, I recently just had a really bad experience. Shh, <laughs> shut, 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 shut up. Shh. Keep your eyes closed, don't peek. Okay. Jack and Rose stand on the ship's railings and spread their arms out. The iconic score begins to play. <laughs> The iconic score begins to play. <laughs> the iconic score begins to play. and Jack kiss as the sun... <laughs> Rose and Jack kiss as the sun sets on Titanic for the last time. Or is the water rising? No, it's definitely the sun that's setting. Later, Rose brings Jack to her room. Jack sees Monet's... Monet's... <laughs> Jack sees Monet's water lilies. A painting that, according to paintingsinmovies.com, has never been on a ship. Monet. Do you know his work? Of course. Look at his use of color here. Isn't it great? Uh, Monet is very good at art. <laughs> sure is. I mean, look at his technique. They, they look just like flowers, see? But when you try and take them out, you can't, Jack. <laughs> Jack, I want you to draw me like one of your French girls. Wearing this. Rose shows Jack the necklace from the future. Sure, yeah. Now bear with me, I'm no I normally don't paint this many limbs. Freeing herself from the class shackles that she's been chained to from birth, Rose removes her gown and exposes her naked body, sexually awakening millions of boys whose parents drove them all the way to Carlo to see the summer's biggest movie. Now head down, eyes to me, keep them on me and try to stay still. I believe you are blushing, Mr. Big Artiste. I can't imagine Monsieur Monet blushing. He does landscapes, and they're supposed to be naked. Jack finishes the drawing. It's an okay drawing. I mean, it could be Rose in it, but you probably wouldn't be sure, and she'd have to tell you, and then you'd be like, yeah, that's her. <laughs> Meanwhile, in 1997... 
My heart was pounding the whole time. It was the most erotic <laughs> moment of my life. Up until then, at least. Until I went to that club in Berlin. The whole crew are feeling awkward at her Golden Girls-esque honesty. So, uh, what happened next? You mean, did we do it? Uh, sorry to disappoint you, Mr. Bodine. Jack was very professional. Uh, don't worry, though. There's a bit coming up in a sex car. You're, you're going to love it. Back in the past, Carl is not happy. I'm not happy. <laughs> I, I sense you're unhappy, sir. None, none of the stewards have seen her. We've checked everywhere except for her room and we can't find her. I knocked on her door, but all I could hear was sketching noises, so she's probably not there. Lost! This is absurd. It's a ship. I mean, there's so many places she could be. Any one of the four chimneys, the fancy staircase, the, uh, the bit where they stood at the front. On the, br on the bridge, Smith surveys the sea ahead. I don't think I've ever seen such, such a flat calm. Not a breath of wind will make the bergs harder to see with no breaking water at the base. I'm off to bed. <laughs> don't forget to go real fast. Lovejoy finds Jack and Rose right where he last remembered leaving them, in one of the four chimneys. Miss Rose? Lovejoy chases Jack and Rose through the ship, all the way down to the boilers. It's all fiery and mechanical, like Mordor or the inside of a hellish clock. Hold up, what are you two doing here? I'm different. Uh, you, you shouldn't be down here, it's dangerous and everything's on fire. You're doing a great job. Keep up the good words. Don't worry, Rose. Everyone loves me. They run through the engine rooms. Rose's long dress flows dangerously through the air past pistons and cogs and open flames. They make it to the cargo hold and get inside the world's first car. Where to, miss? To the stars. I'll try. This thing only has two gears. You nervous? No. Put your hands on me, Jack. They have... <laughs> They have sweaty movie sex. They leave sexy palm prints on the car window. They honk the horn, flick the lights on and off, and at the end, the bonnet pops up. Their passion is intercut with fireworks and the ship going through a tunnel. Don't worry, I'll be all right. <laughs> Meanwhile, up on the bridge, Murdoch is doing some foreshadowing. Did we ever find those binoculars uh, for the lookouts? I haven't seen them since Southampton. Oh, well, just tell them to do this with their hands. <laughs> Jack and Rose arrive on the deck. They, da they dance together in the full moonlight. <laughs> when the ship docks, I'm getting off with you. 
well, it's the last stop. There's no more stops. We're all getting off there. <laughs> but, Rose, this romance is crazy. It doesn't make any sense. That's why I trust it. Uh, you have a house and stuff, right? <laughs> Up in the crow's nest, two lookouts spot the young lovers smooching. They're a bit warmer than we are. Well, if that's what it takes for us to get warm, I'd rather not have a talk same with you. <laughs> you know, he said it'd work if I did this with me hands. <laughs> but it's not working. If anything, it's just blocking out the side of my vision. <laughs> Just then, the Titanic does what Titanics do and hits an iceberg and begins to sink. What? What was that, Mr. Murdoch? An iceberg, sir. An iceberg? Titanic's kryptonite. <laughs> Sorry, sir, I, I tried everything. I, I put it to starboard and then ran the engines full astern and then I put the indicators on and I signaled I was going right when I was actually going left, but the iceberg still hit us. Still very much in the film, the walking cultural stereotypes that are Fabrizio and Tommy watch as their cabins fill with water. Mamma mia! <laughs> Jesus! Moving on. Back on the deck, Jack and Rose eavesdrop on Captain Smith and Andrews. Have you seen the damage in the storage hold? No. She's already underwater, so my eyes started to sting. This is bad. The boat's sinking. At least nobody will see the mess we made of that car. As they return to Cal's room to warn the others, Lovejoy plants the diamond in Jack's pocket. I've been looking for you. Something serious has happened. Now, I'm not sure of the details, but the boat has a hole in it and seems to be filling with Evian. <laughs> what? Where is it coming from? The sea, apparently. <laughs> Nonsense, my dear. Everybody knows the sea is made from non-fizzy San Pellegrino. <laughs> now, two things dear to me have disappeared this evening. Now that one is back, I have a pretty good idea where to find the other. Search him. Take off your coat, sir. Lovejoy searches Jack's coat and finds the diamond in the pocket. Ha-ha! That's it. <laughs> exactly where I put it. This is horse shit. He, he couldn't have. Of course he could. It's easy enough for a professional. Perhaps he did it while you were putting your clothes back on, dear. While you were... Zipping up your bra. <laughs> Real slick, Cal. Rose, they put it in my pocket. Don't you believe them, Rose? You, you know me. You know I hate diamonds. Lovejoy drags Jack away. Meanwhile, in the cabin's cabin, captain's cabin, Andrew's explaining the situation. There's holes in the boat, and now the water's on the inside. can stay afloat with the first four compartments breach, but not five. I mean five. Why would anyone ever think of five? From this moment, no matter what we do, Titanic will flounder. But this ship can't sink. She's unsinkable. Didn't you read the press release? She's made of iron, sir. Northern iron. <laughs> Thank you.
The end. Are you sure? I assure you she can. And she will. But ice can't freeze iron beams. <laughs> it's a mathematical certainty. I've done the sum in my head. At least twice. How much time? An hour, three at most, three if we're lucky, four if we act fast, and 48 if we never hit the iceberg at all. <laughs> Cal and Rose join the rest of the fancy boys at the Grand Staircase. All the passengers are now wearing life jackets filled with 1912's safest gas, hydrogen. Rose notices that Mr. Andrews is looking at them like they're all going to die. Mr. Andrews, I, I saw the iceberg and I see it in your eyes. Please tell me the truth. The ship will sink! In an hour or so, all of this will be at the bottom of the Atlantic. Like a submarine, but with water on the inside instead of Sean Connery. Please tell only who you must. I don't want to be responsible for a panic or saving anyone. Get to a boat quickly. Don't wait. You remember what I told you about the boats? Yes, I remember. They're like cars, but for the water. Aye. Aye, for the water. That's it, Rose. I think you'll be just fine. Outside, a crewman begins loading the lifeboats. <clears throat> uh, ladies and gentlemen, your attention, please. For the time being, I shall require only women and children and uh, cowardly men dressed as women and children. <laughs> Molly, Ruth, Rose and Cal arrive. Any room for a gentleman, gentlemen? Uh, only women at this time, sir. What about very pretty boys? <laughs> Boats be seated according to class or, or alphabetical or by height? <clears throat> no, by alphabetical height. So it goes five, four, six, three. <laughs> see, see, what you do is you just you spell out the number and then you arrange them alphabetically. Look, it's a very simple system. In a few years, everybody's going to be using it. Oh, Mother, shut up. There aren't enough boats, not enough by half. Half of the people on this ship are going to have to wait in the sea and get goosebumps and be very chilly. Do you know what temperature that water is? Do you know what's cooler than being cool? I said, do you know what's cooler than being cool? All right, all right, all right, all right, all right. Hey, yeah, hey, yeah, hey, yeah, hey, yeah. You know, uh, it's, uh, it's a pity I didn't keep that drawing. It'll be worth a lot more money by morning because, you know, he'll be dead and I'll have put it in an expensive frame. You unimaginable bastard. Rose tries to run, but Cal grabs her. Ha! Where are you going? To him? To be a whore? To a gutter rat? To be a masseuse? To a seagull? Tell me, Rose, are you going to kiss him and then touch your butts together? How does it work? Explain! I'd rather be his whore than your wife. But ideally, I'd like to be a third option. That's fair. Cal holds on tight, but he doesn't know that Rose has learned a trick or two on this boat. She spits right in his eye, and he lets go in disgust. She runs back to Andrew. Mr. Andrews, Mr. Andrews, thank God. Where would the master of arms take someone under arrest? Where's the boat jail? Take the elevator to the bottom, then go left down the crewman's passage. 
then go right and left again at the stairs. Double jump to the moving platform. If you're in the sea, you've gone too far. There'll be a room with a handsome boy handcuffed to a pipe. That's the one you want. Rose does that and finds Jack handcuffed to a pipe. Rose, you came back for me. How did you find out I didn't do it? I, I didn't. I, I just realised I already knew. Also, Cow and Lovejoy kept giggling and nudging each other. You gotta bust me out of here. Out of this handcuff to a pipe. There's a bunch of tools over there. Rose spots an axe. Beside that, a hammer, a baseball bat, a chainsaw, and finally, the key. She frees him. We have to get back to the deck. It's like the crystal maze down here. If you don't get out in time, you have to stay here forever. Suddenly, the water blasts Jack and Rose through the corridors like a fun ride, but they aren't allowed to show any enjoyment. And it's a solemn affair. Meanwhile, on deck, Lovejoy approaches Cal. She's not on the starboard side or the opal fruit side. (laughs) We're running out of time, and this strutting martinet isn't letting any men on at all. There's one on the other side letting men on, but you need a wrist stamp and the... It's kind of a strict dress code. Damn these trendy Adidas! On deck, Murdoch launches the first lifeboat. Uh, Mr. Murdoch, why are the boats being launched half full? I knew it! You're working with the iceberg, aren't you? Not now, Jerry Adams! Look! Twenty or so in a boat built for sixty-five, and I saw one boat with only twelve! Twelve! And I can't be sure, but some of them were seagulls! Andrews, these boats may buckle. They were tested in Belfast with a weight of 70 men. We were very thorough. We tested each man one at a time. Now fill these boats, Mr. Murdoch, for God's sake, man! Everyone is pushing and not staying back. Stop pushing, stay back! Jack and Rose are flush from a vent onto the deck of the ship and casually join the queue for a lifeboat. Get in the boat, Rose. Cal approaches. Yes, I do. Yes, <laughs> Get on the boat, Rose. Uh, my God, look at you. <laughs> you. You look like a fright. Ah. <laughs> there, put this on. He puts his jacket on Rose. Unbeknownst to him, the diamond is in the pocket. It's much more stylish and heavier on one side for some reason. <laughs> Go on, I'll get the next one. There's one in four minutes. I have an app. <laughs> no, no, not without you. I'll be all right. Listen, I'll be fine. Don't worry about me. After all, with you safely on the sh- off the ship, I can focus on saving myself, and there'll be plenty of room on any floating things I find. I, I have an arrangement with an officer on the other side of the ship. Jack and I can get off safely, both of us. See? Got my own boat to catch. Going on a better boat. Yeah, just around the other side of the ship. Yeah. It's got football on TV and all the Carlsberg I can drink. <laughs> I want to go on that boat with you. You can't. You don't deserve it. Uh, Everybody had a vote, and they said they hated you. Sorry. Now, hurry. They're almost full. She gets on the lifeboat, and they watch her be slowly lowered. You're a good liar. (laughs) Almost as good as you. Wait, you were lying? (laughs) There's no Carlsberg boat? No. But if there was, it would prob... It would be... It would... It'd be a good lifeboat. 
You see, I always win, Jack, one way or another. Today, I win by not drowning in a famous maritime disaster. It's, it's the little victories. Rose is a bit of a think and begins climbing out of the boat. Rose, what are you doing? She is climbing out of the boat. Stop her! That lifeboat was designed for 70 people. It's never been tested to carry any less than that. Stop her! She climbs up and hugs him. Rose, you're so stupid. Why'd you do that? You're so stupid, Rose. You're an idiot, Rose, you fucking moron. You, you jump, I jump, right? Right? I couldn't go, Jack. They were so lame. They were just sitting there shaking and scared. Kyle watches from the sidelines. He's overcome with emotion, possibly hunger. He takes Lovejoy's gun and opens fire at our favorite couple. Come on, Rose. Come on! Cal stops. Realizing as she has chased them into some sort of waist-deep swimming pool dining room that fancy boats have, apparently. Enjoy your time together. No, he doesn't. Uh, wait, uh, Lovejoy, I, I put the diamond in the coat, and I put the coat on her, and, and then I put the diamond in the pocket of the coat that I put on her. Back at the lifeboats, the rules haven't changed. Children only. But everyone is someone's children. <laughs> I mean more recent children. Cal takes a child from the floor where oh, children oh. live. I have a child, I have a child. <laughs> wait, wait, Cal has a daughter? This changes a lot. Yeah, yeah. Clear the path here, okay, please. I have a child. I, I, I'm a father. Watch, uh, uh, daddy's little girl. <laughs> Getting ready for your first day of school. Uh, uh, oh, take that makeup off. You look like a whore. Oh, you're, you're, you're just waiting for me to die so you can have all my money, huh? I regret everything. They let him on. <laughs> Clearly, in the hours since the ship started sinking, society has broken down so much that children are the only accepted currency. <laughs> Inside, Jack and Rose run into Mr. Andrews brooding by a fireplace. Mr. Andrews, won't you even make a try for it? No. I'm sorry I didn't build you a stronger ship, young Rose. You know, from an engineering standpoint, listing numbers alphabetically was not the way to go. Good luck to you, young Rose. And good luck to you. With the, uh, drowning. On the deck, the captain walks around like a man possessed by a bored ghost. He goes to the bridge and slams the door. The bridge sinks below the waterline. He watches as the windows begin to crack. I'm a real person and I hope one, no one ever makes fun of this. <laughs> Lots of water gushes in and he slips and falls on his bottom and drowns. <laughs> right, well, that's it then. Well, <clears throat> being the orchestra gentlemen, it has been a privilege playing with you tonight. Goodbye, Paulie, and good luck. So long, old chap. 
a one and a two. And a three. It's not unusual to have fun with anyone. It's not unusual to make love to anyone. And when you saw. The boat continues going from the top of the water to underneath the water. One side goes down slightly faster than the other because it was delivering rocks while the other side was delivering helium balloons. One of the chimneys breaks off and crushes Fabrizio. Passengers fall and bonk into railings and make very upsetting though oddly satisfying gong sounds. Our heroes make it to the back and hold on tight. Jack, this is where we first met. We've gone on our own little adventure and come full circle. It's just like, stand by me. <laughs> then the boat breaks in half and slams down. I'm sure someone at Disney considered making an ill-advised ride based on this at one point. <laughs> the Titanic groans like a sad metal whale before slipping down into the water forever. They brace themselves. The ship is going to suck us down. Take a deep breath when I say, kick for the surface and keep kicking. The water's going to have a drag of 4.3 knots. And the current is going to take you 20 feet down. Don't struggle against it, Rose. Remember, exhale as you resurface, but not too fast or you'll get the bends. I just know all this for some reason. We're going to make it, Rose. Trust me. I trust you. This is not a question of trust. Ready? (laughs) Now... All the things he said would happen, happen. When they re-emerge, everyone is screaming and one guy tries to climb onto Rose, mistaking her for an old wooden door. Get off her, get off her! He punches him and he falls unconscious into the icy water, definitely killing him. So Jack's a murderer now. Okay, so... Jack, the murderer, (laughs) helps Rose clamber onto an actual old wooden door. Stay on it, stay on it, Rose. You'll be all right now. Just don't open the door. The other side is full of water. (laughs) The boats are coming back for us, Rose. Hold on just a little bit longer. Damn it, why didn't they make the whole ship out of these bullying ass doors? It's later now and very blue. Many people are now frozen, drifting people. Jack looks around and has tiny icicles hanging from his nose. It'd be adorable if it wasn't so upsetting. It's just gonna take them a couple of minutes to get the boats organized. I don't know about you, but I intend to write a strongly worded letter to the White Star Line about all this. Dear White Star Line, I did not enjoy your boat, stop. Take this down, Rose. I love you, Jack. Listen, Rose, you're gonna get out of here, you're gonna go on, and you're gonna make lots of babies, and you're gonna watch them grow. And I see, I see a great disaster. Don't get on that boat! And then you're gonna die an old, an old lady warm in her bed. I think that sounded more romantic in your head. (laughs) Not like this, do you understand me? Jack's prophecies are never wrong. Uh, I I can't feel my body. Uh, Winning that ticket, Rose, was the best thing that ever happened to me. 
You should have seen their faces, man. Like, I really wiped the floor with those guys. I'm a car genius, you know? And you know, it brought me to you. And I, I'm thankful for that, Rose. You know, not so much for the boat stuff. I could take or leave that, but you must promise me that you'll survive, that you won't give up no matter what happens. No matter how hopeless, promise me now, Rose, and never let go of that promise. I'll never let go, Jack. Rose sees the torch of the lifeboat looking for survivors. Jack? Jack, Jack? Jack? Jack, there's a boat. <laughs> Jack is dead. I'll never let go. I promise. She lets go of his hand. <laughs> but not of the promise of her giving up hope. It's genuinely very emotional and terribly moving. She's bravely, she bravely removes a whistle from a passing corpse and lets loose with it like she's at a Brazilian parade. <laughs> Meanwhile, in the present day... When Titanic sank from under us, 1,500 went in the water, the boats in the water, our boat. There were 20 boats floating nearby. <laughs> and only one came back. One. Only six people were saved from the water, myself included. Still, we delivered the bomb. <laughs> Later, Rose is at Coney Island going through immigration before she gets to ride the Wonder Wheel. Cal checks all the survivors for Rose, but she hides in a blanket and pretends to be a woman with a blanket. That's the last time I ever saw him. He married, of course, and inherited his millions, but the crash of 29 hit his interest hard, and he put a pistol in his mouth that year or so, I read. And then later that year, he took it out, and... <laughs> jumped into the Hudson River, which had just been built. Uh, can I take your name, please, love? Um, uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Tiffany. <laughs> Tiffany uh, Rainbow Wilson. <laughs> Thank you, miss. That's a terrible name. Back on the salvage ship, the crew are intently listening to Rose's story. Wow, what a great story. Such vivid details. Oh, oh, hold on, how do you know what those guys up in the crow's nest were saying? <laughs> we never found anything on this. Jack, there's no record of him at all. No, there wouldn't be, would there? I took a bit of poetic license. He's kind of a mishmash of a few people. <laughs> is a deep ocean of secrets. Much like the real ocean, but with the secrets instead of frozen people who died. But now you know there was a man named Jack Dawson and that he saved me in every way that a person can be saved. He saved me so, so much of my home insurance, I can't... I don't even have a picture of him. He exists now only in my memory and as a skeleton at the bottom of the sea. For three years, I thought of nothing but Titanic, but I never got it. I never let it in. I never understood just how many interweaving genres and narratives were going on that ship. 
like Romeo and Juliet on a boat. I mean, the whole idea was just so damn bankable. Later, Old Rose walks to the edge of the boat and steps onto the railing. She drops the necklace into the water, possibly accidentally, and then she dies in bed like it was foretold. We fade to a white, blissful face. Rose is now young again and back in the Titanic. She sees Jack as he was, young and beautiful. Peak Leo. Where are we, Jack? We're in the afterlife, Rose. The boat begins rapidly filling up with water. We need to go, Rose. We're trapped in a loop, forced to relive the boat sinking every 45 minutes. Wait, I'm confused. I thought this was my heaven. No, 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 no. This is boat hell. Around them, people begin to fight and scream. Fabrizio is infinitely crushed by chimneys. Run, Rose. You've got to run now! The end! Hello friends, this is Stephen from Dream Gun and we have shows on sale in Dublin and London right now. We are home in Dublin this June the 15th to the 17th with updated film reads of The Matrix, Jurassic Park and Titanic at Smock Alley Theatre. Featuring the award-winning ensemble of Tony Cantwell, Ronan Carey, Stephen Culver, that's me, Finbar Doyle, Hannah Mamelis, Aaron McGathy and Edwin Salmon. Uh, the show's at Smock Alley Theatre and tickets are on sale right now. Head to dreamgun.ie forward slash tickets. Meanwhile in London, we are now performing every month at 21 Soho with a different film read every month and different guests joining us on the stage. This month's London film is Batman Begins, but if you're in the future, it's probably a different film and you can find out which one at dreamgun.ie forward slash tickets.